Welcome to Gender Weird, the podcast where we ruin your favorite movies by telling you why they're gay. I'm Jane. And I'm Vivian. You might know me from my media analysis channel, Style of Substance. And my channel is Vivian Strange, where I make video essays doing a combination of media analysis, radical far-left politics, cultural commentary, and queer theory. And this podcast is going to be an extension of that. What I'm looking to do is I want to challenge people's conceptions of gender and queerness. There's a lot of uniformity um, I've noticed in 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 mainstream discourse. Uh, I want to challenge. I want to challenge things. I want to bring in a perspective uh, and perspectives that are um, challenging and maybe a bit controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, transgressive is the word I really like. Um, and yeah. I would say like being transgressive is a little bit my bread and butter. <laughs> um, so like, so I like started my YouTube channel in like 2018 because I wanted to spotlight, discuss, critically engage with like classic and underrepresented films from around the world and throughout time. I basically wanted to talk about films that nobody talks about or talk about popular films in ways that people don't. You know, I want to leave my audience not with answers, but questions to consider when approaching media. But as time went on, I grew increasingly political and also increasingly gay. Yeah, it's hard not um, to. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, this is reflected in my video output. So, like, I started talking about like women's issues, class, race, you name it, gender too. A lot about gender. And by the time that I came out online as transgender, some people were sort of confused because they thought I was already out. <laughs> yeah. um, now my channel name is pretty transy too. Style of substance. Uh, it comes from a quote from the late and great like leftist filmmaker, uh, Jean-Luc Godard, who essentially argues that the means of artistic expression and the messages expressed are intrinsically intertwined. You can't really have form without function or function without form. You either are communicating something or you're not. What you write, what you paint, what you shoot, it will always say something and it says something political. I don't think you can have style without substance. The very style itself is substance. It says yeah. something about the world. Yeah, definitely. And I think like I think like growing up like transgender and gay and repressing that side of me, struggling with the incongruity between internal identity and external expression, my style was saying one thing about me that I didn't want for myself. Mm-hmm. And some people could see right through that too the style yeah. is hollow and when style is hollow so is the substance it's why i was depressed and suicidal but for me the process of transition is demolishing that incongruity telling the world that this is my message this is me now some trans women like to say retroactively they were always women and sure that's fine but that's not how i was living i was like effectively yeah. making myself a man when I didn't want to be one. It's like this like masculine, like simulacrum Mm -hmm. that became my sole representation. So it took a while to really undo that. Mm -hmm. But I think like, yeah, but I think like at this point in my development, I'm like a little bit less interested in film and more interested in politics, especially like gender politics. And I think that film can be like a great way to talk about gender. Uh, I become a little bit like disenchanted by like critics, YouTubers, <laughs> bloggers on the yep. internet and how they talk about queerness in cinema. Absolutely. And mm-hmm, I think it like comes from like this unknowingly self-hating liberal assimilationism that I think yeah. that we as like queer people, trans, gay, whatever, it's something that we must resist. Absolutely. And you were in my periphery, but the video that really made me think, okay, I should reach out to her was the Thin Pink Line video because I thought it was like quite dense, but is also like a accessible piece of gender theory that's all wrapped up into a YouTube video. Yeah. And it flirts with my interest in world cinema mm-hmm. just from a very gay lens. Yeah. And I like that because I don't really see that on YouTube enough. It seems like it almost seems like film tube and left tube, bread tube, whatever you want to call it, are just like a bit too like distant from each other. Mm-hmm. And I see like there may be some left tubers that exercise like 
their critical thinking skills, but they tend to waste it almost entirely on like Disney films, things that they're nostalgic yeah. for. Yeah. And it's like, it's like Disney slop that's made for children that's delivered to them on a conveyor belt because yeah. it appeals to their nostalgia. But I'm kind of, mm-hmm. I'm really hesitant about like nostalgic attachment to corporate products. I Absolutely. think it's quite dangerous in a way. Yeah, I, I remember uh, we were we were both on um, F the Algorithm in this past month. Um, and I remember uh, something uh, FD Signifier was saying about um, my videos, uh, something that he appreciated um, was the that 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 synthesis of like left tube um political commentary and discourse along with media analysis um so really that's 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 what i that's why i try to do like the goal of my channel uh the my my slogan is if it exists we must examine it um meaning that we have a, an obligation to our reality and the world around us to uh, to address it, to to think about it more critically, um, to engage with it in a way that I feel like a lot of people aren't. Um, and that means in terms of uh, gender and whatnot, like with the thin pink line, what I wanted to do was present my uh, my theory on gender, the gender weirdness. Uh, it actually it actually came from um, watching watching a bunch of movies and shows and and shit like that all throughout throughout you know history and being like uh and noticing like all these patterns uh david lynch ingmar bergman uh lars von trier charlie kaufman uh andre tarkovsky uh the list goes the list goes on and on uh just noticing all these common uh treatments of gender and interactions through art with that and I started comparing that to uh, gender as it's as it's cropped up during history. Like everything is connected, and when it comes to gender, something that is, I believe, wholly constructed. I see gender as being a thoroughly performed thing. It's it's just performance. Uh, sex as well. They're they're both very they're both completely arbitrary categories that uh, only have as much meaning as we as- we ascribe to them. And I think that's an that's an understanding that is uh, evading uh, a lot of mainstream uh, discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, I think we could stand to challenge challenge ourselves more um, right. because I like I like what you said about assimilation, um, like yeah. liberal assim- assimilation. And I feel like with gender fascists today, like uh, J.K. Rowling and the, the Turf Brigade and all of them, like, I, I feel like we're trying to respond to them in, you know, in a way they say that, you know, trans women aren't women. It's like, no, no, we're, you know, we are real women. Uh, but what does, what does real woman mean? What is, and I, I think that's, that's the thing I want to, I like, I want to look at, I take, I take umbrage with is the, uh, the idea that there is such absolutes. such that yeah absolutes that there is such thing as a real woman or a real man or or whatever i see too many of us trying to engage with gender fascists on uh their terms and we're not going to get anywhere like that so yeah i i agree with that what i've noticed a lot of the time is it seems like queer people and that includes gay trans non-binary I think that or bisexual, a- asexual too. Uh, I think that what I've noticed is it seems like there's almost this intuitive appeal to authority where they're trying to say, hey, this is who we are. Please adjust, you know, your bigotry um, and we can meet halfway. Yeah. That's what it seems like to me. Mm-hmm. It almost it's like it almost seems like they try to appeal to kind of like their authorities and you know um like please like me please accept me i can be normal i can be on my best behavior and i'm really critical of that very very much yeah see like i i just think we have uh all of us who fall under the you know this this umbrella the queer and trans very nebulous uh that that's 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 why it came up with the term gender weirdness and gender weird mm-hmm. is a kind of is a more umbrella thing than uh than the word queer um is because we we all do have that in common and i think and i think the thing that unites us is 
is is a more important thing we need to focus on because you know trying to build a better world we need solidarity and and to do that we need we need common ground and gender is something that gender is something every single one of us suffers from and you know has to contend with um like there's there is no escaping that and those of us who those of us who have actively engaged with you know gender and actively engage with it uh as it relates to our identity our lives our presentation uh, whatever um i'd call you know that's that's what i call gender weird where we are the gender weird how would you um say that like gender weirdness as you define it like what what does it mean to be gender weird in a sense the the metaphor i use is uh, the thin pink line in in my video that um it comes from the the idea of the thin blue line in a documentary by errol morris on the police um mm-hmm. the idea of the the myth of uh civil organized society being held at bay against you know anarchy and chaos by a thin blue line uh mm-hmm. uh you know the the police the defenders them being the only thing separating us from chaos and whatnot which is you know this is bullshit of course but um right but right. uh thinking of the thin pink line as being uh gender normativity whatever whatever it is uh and that includes like sex sexuality and things like that yeah too, right? since since yeah. Sex- sexuality is like it's inherently contingent on gender because right. you know it's like gay and straight don't mean anything outside um, unless you like factor in like gender as well um so whatever the thin pink line is whatever is uh, on the edge of uh what is considered normal or normative and we the gender weird are what is what lies beyond where um we necessarily challenge and threaten even uh normativity and I think that's 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 something I like to and want to embrace is the fact that we do the, what the gender fascists are afraid of that we that we threaten the normativity of their order. It's like, yeah, yeah, we do. That's what we're here for. Like we're here and, to wreck and, your shit. And what it means when somebody says when somebody's like homophobic, what that means is I do think that the phobia is like a key factor in kind of understanding that because it is a fear. It's a fear of change. It's a fear of losing power mm-hmm. for those in charge. Absolutely. Um, even though many of those people are also inclined to do similar things too, you know, to, yeah. to deviate. People people do not like conformity as a collective. Mm-hmm. I think that people like to try new things. They like to expand their minds, experiment. It's not really that surprising to me that with more queer acceptance, more people are coming out as gay and bi and mm-hmm. trans. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. For some people, they may not be as like inclined to behave or, or act in a certain way because they can default to the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think that like a lot of people, a lot of people, even beyond what's typically regarded as gay or trans, queer, a lot of people do have these inclinations of deviating, mm-hmm. deviating from the norm. Absolutely. But those in power kind of fear too much deviation. Mm-hmm. Because that threatens like the order of things. Yeah. So assimilationism, basically, they want to kind of like modify the status quo to accommodate queer people, which in some ways I get, you mm-hmm. know, on, on yeah. some kind of like practical level, you, you, you're going to want to have like legal rights as a queer person absolutely um but that's almost but i think also sometimes people fight to basically be like to be seen as as boring and dull (laughs) as the norm they want to be seen as the norm so basically they want basically as as you would put it the status queer to assimilate into the status quo yes and i and I, and I and I sort of I know it's kind of like a difficult thing because like you almost have to like you have to survive right we yeah. all have to work jobs yeah. or leech off of somebody who works you know <laughs> yeah. um, and I, and I think like and when it comes but I think also we have these certain like social inclinations to like rebel mm-hmm. and for queer people 
a lot of them, they feel like they can't help themselves but rebel. Yeah. That, like, this is almost, like, intrinsic to, like, their being. Yeah. And I think, like, the more we suppress that, the more we are suppressing human potential, Mm -hmm. wisdom, understanding. Yeah. And I think that's just bad. (laughs) Solidarity as well. Yeah, because, like... Um, one one of the uh, controversial views that I hold, and I, and I know you uh, you have similar thoughts uh, as well, but like the idea that all all homophobes and transphobes are closeted, um, it's an oversimplification, uh, obviously. Um, but there there's there's a lot of like having being a homophobe and have or transphobe and having that 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 bigotry and that like that those issues with gender. It is purely, it is indicative of, you know, conflict with one's own gender. Like, J.K. Rowling... Fear of it, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> yeah. J.K. Rowling has unresolved issues with, with her own gender, and she's, you know, pathologized the fuck out of them, so na- and now she's a, she's a gender fascist. I mean, she literally writes under a dude's name about her obsession with the female penis. Um, <laughs> it's, it's bonkers. I, I would say... Well, there are passive homophobes and there are active homophobes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like for the active ones, the ones that go out of their way to obsess over these things, I think that oftentimes it is a uh, reflection of an insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, they may be like a straight man, but or like a straight woman or lesbian, whatever. It's an insecurity that their sexuality or their gender has also the potential to be malleable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I and I think that we can kind of like really observe this a lot with like transphobic chasers. Yep. Like there's <laughs> like I think there's no surprise to me that as anti-trans legislation was was being pushed, you know, during the pandemic, that also there was a huge increase of basically like searching up, I guess you could say tranny porn online. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, at all like controversial to say. I think that there's actually like a lot of like, I think there's definitely a link there. Oh yeah, you know, no, there- definitely. And another thing uh, no, it's like during the pandemic, um, I was, I was out for, I've been out since 2015. Um, so I was, you know, I was trans before the pandemic. Um, but during the pandemic, I like I had to reevaluate my relationship with my with my gender. Um, because I was, you know, I was stuck inside. And I did not I wasn't presenting for anybody but myself. And I think everybody was everybody went through some version of that and had some kind of, uh, you know, they had to con- they had to confront. Uh, and yeah, Work can be a distraction. Yeah, work work is a distraction. Work is a distraction from questioning things. Yeah. So during the pandemic, you know, I was wrestling with like gender sexuality for for years, you know. Yeah. I kind of thought, oh, I might be trans, but I can repress this. I started experimenting like with like cross dressing you know, mm-hmm. although at this point wearing guys' clothes is cross-dressing for me. But, you yeah. know, I experimented with cross-dressing and kind of doing different things. And that was kind of since, like, 2019 that I would really say that I went out looking like a girl. But then kind of the next year, I thought, no, no, no. I'm a graduate student. Time to be a man. <laughs> yeah. And it backfired. It backfired hard. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, like, a little bit nebulous for me. There was a point in time... After one relationship of mine that I uh, basically went extra hard on the masculine side. Yeah. Right. And a lot of us go through that. <laughs> I've talked about beard and everything because I thought, all right, I need to man up. <laughs> man up. Which is which is really ironic because I think that <laughs> I thought, you know, one of my hesitations for transitioning is I thought that like, oh, people, you know, I'm pretty good with girls now. <laughs> girls wouldn't like me if i became oh my one. god the sa- same same it's literally <laughs> not true not, not true for all. me anyways yeah the whole like thing of of of, of gender weirdness is and and the thing like i i want to you know get across to people uh you know not oversimplifying by saying that you know all all homophobes and transphobes are closeted because you know the whole language of 
being closeted and whatnot, it, it means something very different in today's world than it does like than it did like even twenty years ago. But um the idea that gender is something that all of us have to deal with and have to engage with in some way or another. Gender and gender issues with gender. Like I I, I honestly do not believe that there is anyone who is not in some way like has not had some sort of conflict with gender as it's been assigned to them um right and sometimes a denial of conflict is conflict in itself yeah like it's like it's like you know come on if this if this is such a as as foundational part of one's identity as society has said so uh as society has determined then um like how have how have you not engaged with that how have you not had some conflict with that like the, the gender binary and the categories and criteria are very very rigid and human beings are we're not like that we we are we are vast and varied and diverse diverse and yeah and malleable malleable too. yeah we're, we're fluid adaptable yeah and and so like the idea that anyone can possibly be at all th- like throughout their life because it is i think you know gender is is something that changes our relationship to it changes at the end of the day uh, to put it to put it uh, simply uh, reductively and 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 controversially, I don't think cis or straight people exist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Elaborate on that point. Like, okay, so cisgender being uh, being seen as a a, a a strict adherence to the gender binary, um, and heterosexuality being like within within that. It, it, it's all part of the same, you know. It's it's, it's cis heteropatriarchy. It's all it's all it's all wrapped up right. together. And these these categories, this binary, is so is so rigid and inflexible that you know I I just I just don't think even even people who feel comfortable in these boxes they're not they're not fixed. They're not absolute. They're all that all that things mm-hmm. would take is a a slight change in environment a. Uh, a single relationship with with another person uh like mm-hmm. so much like we are we are so subject to change we are dynamic and the idea that anyone could fit comfortably consistently into such a rigid these rigid boxes is it, it's ludicrous to me yeah and, and honestly i think one of the joys of being trans for me is at this point I'm not afraid to be a little bit boyish. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to be a little bit manly. When I was younger, I was afraid to be a little bit girly. I was afraid to be a yep. little bit gay, you know? Because I was always told that I shouldn't yep. be. Shouldn't be gay. You know? I mean, I guess you could maybe call me bisexual or a lesbian. I'm not sure exactly where I fit correctly when it comes to orientation. But I like to say gay. Yeah. Because, you know, in my youth, I was told not to be mm-hmm. gay. I was told not to act girly. Yeah. You know, for me, lesbian doesn't really hold a lot of waters for, for to, to describe. Yeah, myself. lesbians were lesbianism um, was abstract. Uh, you know, coming up. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I was never told not to be a lesbian. I was told to like girls, which I, you <laughs> know, yeah. <laughs> somewhat. But I, but what I found is that, you know, in my youth, I would be pursuing girls because I wanted a girlfriend to not be gay. But then I also wanted to be around girls to basically be yeah gay. yeah it's, it's part of me you thinks that you know i wanted friendship and you know that's and i wanted to basically you know i want i would watch movies and there'd be like sleepovers or whatever and i'd always be like i wish i was there too i wish i had that experience yeah. you know and it's not even like sexual based it's just yeah it, it, um, it's it's community it's the human drive to to yeah, sociability yeah pretty much yeah uh, which is why most of my friends throughout my life have been girls, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been a little <laughs> bit <laughs> hesitant around yeah. guys. But um, but but basically what I'm saying is when it comes to these boxes is, you know, I at one point in time, I tried so hard to resist this part of me that it ended, it ended up making me go completely in the other direction, which never worked yeah. out for me. You know, my style and my substance were very <laughs> much like, um, ugh. It, it just led like me down kind of like a bad path yeah. you know um and now at this point this is what trans folks need to understand i am way more mentally healthy mm-hmm. now you know antidepressants never really worked for me 
hormones yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, but these, like, these boxes that you talk about, I think that, like, yeah, in some ways, I do like to check the box mm-hmm. for women. Yeah. But sometimes, I'm going to be real, if there's a third option, I might go for yeah. it sometimes. And it, it, it definitely is also tied into, like, uh, <clears throat> uh, politics and power, because it's because these boxes yes. are um and that's 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 an important area of focus um with uh gender weirdness and the thin pink line the thin pink line is drawn by those boxes are drawn by structures of power who never have our best interests at heart they power does not care uh whether we are happy whether we are well um whether we are fulfilled and resisting resisting that is i think like integral to uh you know just existing to the fullness of uh, of human potential um and when it comes to gender uh existing on the margins is you know is gender deviance is uh rebellion is rebellion against you know the boxes even um like yeah i'm 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 a woman i i get you know i i relate to that but i uh, you know, as a trans woman, the the prefix trans means beyond, like through. Uh, and I, I I like I see myself as as being not not just a woman, but something beyond that. I am I am a version of woman that challenges the 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 establishment's uh, understanding of 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 what a real woman is. Um, and I think that's, that's something that we should on the whole embrace because fuck assimilationism, like assimilating to power is not going to ever sway it in our favor. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just gonna, and that's kind of like one of the things that I'm like most critical of when I see like people talk about like queer representation. Yeah. Yeah. In particular, or, you know, television, media and and this i mainly i'm largely meaning like on-screen representation not that i think that people will look at kind of how you know someone that's gay or trans is depicted and they'll kind of be extra critical Mm -hmm. even when like the director or artist or whatever has like the best intent and engagement Mm -hmm. um like they kind of have like like actually really direct engagement they'll be really critical of it because they want to make sure that how they're represented is like almost like peachy clean is acceptable you know? is is like yeah and and i think that that often can kind of like bite you in the ass oh, yeah. i think oh yeah because because it, it almost like i think it also could kind of make some straight people a little bit scared to to cover these topics because they think that it's appropriating when in reality it's engaging with part of them that they don't usually engage yeah, with exactly so like um yeah, bringing bringing it around to like media and representation in it. Um, one of the 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 the, the, the reasons that I wanted to uh, like you know start this podcast uh, with you to, to to examine media, not just finding the the queerness and gender weirdness in things that you know we may not uh, we may not have like seen previously or read previously uh, into it, but like looking at things in history. I know um, our our first like analysis, you know, episode whatnot is going to be um, on uh, problematic uh, tropes. The idea of problematic representations of transness um, throughout the history of media, which is 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 valid. There there are you know the problems like you know the the, the trans the, the the scary tranny serial killer um, is you know it is a harmful stereotype um, in in context of like today's world, but it's something that. It's something that I feel we're afraid to engage with um, on its own terms. Um, I feel like so many mm-hmm. uh, the, the the discussions of gender and transness and queerness in so many older pieces of media are just dismissed. And like, okay, for example, um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. When I was when I was a young when I was a young transgender, for the circles I went around in, they were the very the very rigid. Uh, you know, it's like very like distinction heavy heavy solid political distinction between you know we are we are trans women transvestites are just a a a thing whatever and so the rocky horror picture show was uh canceled then i had to i had to performatively like not like it and stay away from it um and then 
but then later when I, uh, you know, loosened the fuck up and stopped, you know, <laughs> taking myself too seriously, um, I, I watched it and connected with it like really, really hard. And, you know, learning, uh, learning also that the, uh, uh, Richard O'Brien is, is trans, is, is non-binary and gender weird <laughs> themselves. Um, yeah. third yeah. gender, I believe. And, and yeah. it, it, it's like, and in 1975, no less, like people today don't seem to, especially younger people, like do not understand how radically things have changed in the last 50 years, in the last 30 years, uh, period. Like, um, you know, your, your favorite Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Funeral Parade of Roses, my favorite, my favorite uh, gender. Oh, that's, yeah. that's great. I and, love it. <laughs> uh, it's from 1969, uh, in Japan and the, the, the trans women in it are like we from our contemporary understanding we we understand them as being trans women it's like okay they're 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 full time they're uh assigned male at birth uh but they like present like all the time <laughs> as as women and go by you know feminine pronouns and and shit but in in the language like the way that it translates they're referred to as gay boys which is you know like today audiences are kind of like i connected so deeply with eddie in funeral parade of roses and i feel like they're and and also the characters also the the trans characters in um more problematic uh more problematic ones and i the i feel like yeah. audiences today are because of assimilationism and the you know uh Appeal to authority? Yeah, and like Puritanism of, you know, these these are canceled. Rocky Horror Picture Show is is, is canceled. It's it's not politically correct. It's I feel like that alienates audiences today from so much because we gender weird people gender weird people, we have always been around. I, I outline uh, three premises of gender weirdness in my video actually. I'll, you know, go go about that. Is like premise number one is we've always been here. Queer and trans people and gender weird people have existed as long as human beings have. As long as we've had standards of gender imposed on us, re rebels have been there. In premise two, we've always been this way and power has persecuted us for it. We live in defiance of the status quo and those in, in power, you know. Being queer, to me, and this is one reason I am a little bit hesitant in calling trans, like even heterosexual trans people straight is because to me straightness is the status quo uh-huh absolutely i'm straight i am normal yeah i i'm straight anything else is weird weird queer gay you yeah. know we need to focus on the things that connect us rather yes. than the things that uh separate us because currently power is invested in in keeping us separate, keeping us in these boxes. Because what I've noticed with uh, identity politics and, and whatnot, structures of power, they are trying to craft new boxes and new boxes for like, yeah, this is how, this is, you know, gay box. You can be gay uh, as long as you kind of still conform to the whole like, you know. System. Yeah. Normalcy. And I think that's something that should be resisted. We should not be trying to build more boxes to sort ourselves into. We should be breaking them down and finding the things we have in common uh, because, you know, ultimately we're all contending with the same thing, and that's gender. Um, gender as enforced by power. By looking through, like, we're going to do, like, all these uh, different examples of media and whatnot, looking at the elements of gender weirdness in them, uh, finding finding ways for uh, people, and not not just queer and trans people, as you know they are now. Even if you're if you're a, a cis or straight person um, listening to this, uh, well, you know, one sorry for saying you didn't exist earlier, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but like you know, I want to make it uh, you know, this is a space for you too. If 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 you have a relationship with gender, uh, then you belong here and we want to help, you know, we want to help you be able to engage with that. Yeah. And understand it. And I think like you can understand things by kind of looking at the areas in which they deviate. You know what I mean? Like, like 
or, 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 or where these structures of like what we understand woman and man, gay and straight to be are kind of challenged, you know, because through those challenges, we see ways in which, you know, like where that thin pink line, that foggy haze really lies. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, cause we always, we, we want to, we aim to transgress. We like, that is, that is by definition, gender weirdness is a defiance of the norm because, uh, we recognize the norm as being, uh, imposed by power the norm is yes. it, uh, the norm is oppressive it is the yes. the tools of of the master being used to subjugate us and that is something that we you know we cannot we very anti-assimilation uh yeah we we will not exist on their terms they they want to make more terms more terms for us more uh different flags they can sell us uh more d- different bumper stickers to have more uh you know shit like that but that's what we need to resist and i think by focusing on what we have the deviance that we have in common will yeah it's 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 it's, it's the way to combat that and resist that i think it makes sense why somebody might want some kind of symbol to represent themselves with Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's unavoidable like, under, like, under capitalism. Symbology is a, a really weird and complicated thing, but I definitely yeah. agree that symbology can also be, you know, capitalized on. You know, yeah, commodified. like we we think the way the way our brains work, we think in in terms of narratives and symbols mm-hmm. and icons and whatnot, and those have been so they're unavoidable. They have been conquered by capitalism though they have been colonized our symbols and uh language has been colonized so it's it's just it's something we need to keep engaged with and be working to uh decolonize to to resist because yeah language and labels and whatnot they are they are important they help us they help us communicate right but uh but like I want us to engage more with them and, 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 and question them. And we want to be able to look at certain things, whether it's media, symbology, the things that exist in our culture, you know, if it exists, we should examine it. Right. Yeah. And, and when we examine it, we can understand things better. We should examine it kind of, you know, for what it is, you know, mm-hmm. without applying our moralism because that moralism comes from somewhere Uh and sometimes it comes from our oppressors and their model for society that we are trying to assimilate into i'd I'd say i'd say it always moralism always comes from power comes from the oppressors in art gender is an unavoidable thing like i can we can read gender weirdness into almost any art that even tangentially concerns itself with gender because again it is it is a more or less universal human thing that we that we deal with the criteria for gender weirdness that that i've found and outlined are um for sign of that something that something you watch might might be might be a little little gender weird have some gender weirdness about it is uh foundational disruption of family strongly tied to gender role dysfunctions we know we know what the nuclear family is and there is there's so much of our uh there's like think of just how many movies and shows are about about breaking that myth apart um and right because it almost makes for good storytelling yeah and it makes for good storytelling because it's something that we all face as humans mm-hmm. it's, it's queer a- people maybe to larger extremes you mm-hmm. know human beings are not meant to be in charge of other human beings like authority is authority is a disease and this is maybe just the anarchist in me talking but like the nuclear family is like a concept basically um which is also intrinsically tied to heteronormativity, cisnormativity, monogamy, mm-hmm. you know, as yeah. like these like kind of these absolute concepts that everybody must follow, even though they simultaneously limit our potential, our relationships, you know, yeah. which, I mean, which actually goes into the next, uh, I guess, like thing that you mentioned was, which was like the exploration of homosocial relationships beyond what's considered normal mm-hmm. can you tell yeah. me a little bit about this um so the uh homosocial relationships being you know um 
uh, gal pals, bros, um, they defy what is, uh, what is, what's considered, what's considered normal, like, like, with, with close male friends, uh, Fight Club, for instance, Fight Club being a, like, one of the best examples I can think of, of male homosociality, and, like, that really, like, looks into how it's gay, it's pretty gay, like, and like it, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be sexual. Like it's, um, we see. I, I notice. I see. We see this more with uh, generally uh, female homosocial relationships because more uh, closeness and affection is socially permissible. Um, yeah. Between between but- women, but like uh, there's there's so much more to homosocial relationships. The the very division, the very break in binary between homosocial relationships and homosexual relationships is is very is vastly limiting like um and really this uh this kind of just extends into um like uh ultimately yeah i'm 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 a relationship anarchist uh i think every every human relationship is 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 different and unique in its way but the way the way gender has us stratified and has us interacting with each other is um it's 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 very it's very limiting and i mean think about just the basic terms girlfriend and boyfriend mm-hmm. not only does that assume basically that it's heteronormative because um it assumes that like all friends should be of the same sex mm-hmm. basically which also assumes that there is no gay relationships because you know for a gay person i'm I'm sure that they you know gay guy i'm sure they also have male friends Mm -hmm. um and it also assumes you know by frankly infantilizing words like girl and boy that adults should get married yep that oh this is your girlfriend meaning when you marry her she'll be your wife this has a lot just kind of our own like language is, is very like heteronormative you know like what what would the term be mononormative i guess the the hierarchy of monogamy because it is a hierarchy is is inside inside the line it is it is normative uh and it is yeah. it is expected so uh yeah also um it limits friendships and relationships because yeah. it says like what because rather than to you know two or more people deciding on their own terms what they're comfortable with with each other and with their friends instead it assumes you know this must be reserved for marriage Mm -hmm. or this must be reserved for you know just like whatever's in place of marriage like romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and not friendships so it limits friendships but also limits relationships then also how we can interact with other people it's like i think it's fine if you have certain boundaries but oftentimes these boundaries can be a result of what in your head your model for what a normal healthy relationship looks like mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes those models can actually limit what you want what your partner wants what your friends want mm-hmm. and maybe we should kind of at least examine that a little bit yeah absolutely yeah so uh yeah, I just I just wanted to go ahead and clarify that you know when we when we when we're attacking cis heteropatriarchy, monogamy is included in that. Yeah. Uh, to bring it back to film, though, I think that like I remember you were like flashing different films on screen screen in your video. Uh, I think Persona by Ingmar Bergman yep. was on was one of them. Yeah. Yep. That was so gay was, shit. <laughs> yep. Fight Club, Daisies, mm-hmm. um, Thelma and Louise. When examining gender weirdness in the term in terms of like homosocial uh, relationships, is you know, there's so much more human intimacy is so much more complex than just our ideas of sex and romance versus and how it should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's... And, and, and I think as a gay person, I, I'm almost like compelled to think critically about kind of like mm-hmm. the current limitations of friendship and kind of and boundaries of friendship and and relationships and, and what's you know what's like considered normal i think that like it's our duty as queer people to challenge these things because they affect us mm-hmm. you know yep they and i think even straight us. people I, yeah it, it affects straight people too sometimes you know because like uh back to like the um foundational disruption of family uh that point based off of like gender role dysfunctions like 
that basically is kind of like, hey, if you if you deviate from what's expected of you as a woman, as a wife or whatever, you are challenging gender norms. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you Absolutely. are challenging gender in one way. You are redefining what it means to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it. That's. And yeah, and that's and that's that's the thing about gender weirdness that I hope all the all straight cis people uh, listening the constructs of gender and gender normativity are they negatively affect you as well they li- they limit they limit you and uh, and challenging them is it's, it's helpful it's how it's it's how how you can like you know. Be ha- be happier, be healthier, be more fulfilled. So, so you're finally able to like basically look in the mirror and say, "Hey, this is I am the person I I want to be," you know, or like, oh, this comes closer. Um, which, yeah. speaking of which, you know, mirrors and reflections is something that you kind of uh, emphasize in your video, kind of like you know, scenes and movies that kind of like really focus on the role of reflections and how how we see ourselves. T- tell me about this one a little bit. Cuz mirrors and reflections are everywhere in cinema. It's 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 kind of absurd. Um and so and they're not always like in, intrinsically tied to gender, but there yeah. is always a component of mirrors and reflections being, you know, us seeing ourselves, usually seeing ourselves in other people or through other people and... i mean even like in like the matrix uh there's a scene where and and the matrix of course is something that was written and directed by two trans women mm-hmm. eggs at the time yep but but it, it it says something about the fact that you know neo looks at himself it's you know, it's his, through his, a mirror his, that he through gets a mirror through. i mean yes it's, it, it's like a it's a callback to kind of like orpheus and uh you know, Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass and all mm-hmm. that. But it, even like that idea, you want to look, you don't want to just look at yourself in the mirror. You want to look through it. Mm-hmm. You want to basically transcend your current reality, who mm. you are, yeah. to be someone new, to redefine that reflection. That reflection is what transports Neo into the Matrix, basically, or, or outside of the Matrix, I should say, to literally hatch from the egg and yep. and basically fight for liberation, see the world for what it is, not what you know the corp, not what the corporate world tells it, you know, tells you it is that yeah. simulation. Yeah, basically, as far as mirrors and reflections go in 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 media re- uh, related to gender weirdness is. The process of engaging with one's gender and, you know, weirding gender, it necessarily involves self-reflection and, you know, contemplation of oneself. And usually mirrors uh, in in media are in some way, you know, reflective of that. Um, Yeah, moving along. uh... Search for the lost film. Um, So so this is what you described as like the masculine romantic pursuit of the unattainable woman uh okay this is this is the 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 thing that first put me on to the um idea of gender weirdness because the um uh something i noticed when i was uh presenting you know presenting as 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 male um my relationships with women were um especially those i was romantically involved with uh, was one of you know i would i would idealize i would idealize them be like the um the, that's why I argue for Scott Pilgrim versus the world as a a, a, a foundational trans femme text is it, because it's 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 literally about this guy who is idealizing this woman and his what he learns over the story is that she's just a person and his issue is with himself. So many trans women uh, like go through that same thing uh, and it is all over the, the men men longing for women in art in cinema i think it is so much deeper and so much more uh profound a thing than just romantic or sexual longing like i, I do not i do not right. think and, that and, but i think this is i think this one's interesting because i think you can also maybe make the argument that by framing that you know framing the woman in a certain way you know male gaze and all that like and sometimes it might actually say something about the artist themselves. <laughs> David Lynch and Ingmar Bergman, for example, uh, have a lot of very, very 
similarities as uh as people and as men and life they life they've led um compared to their 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 works and there's just there's just there's transness all over all over it um it charlie kaufman Charlie Kaufman is hands down the best example of oh, the search it. for lost femme. Yeah. Synecdoche, New York. I'm thinking of ending things. Being John Malkovich, there is an explicitly trans character in Being John Malkovich. Uh, yep. <clears throat> uh, even um, adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, especially that that the man idealizes the woman, the manic pixie dream girl. I think most manic pixie dream girl stories told by men are kind of trans um because you know that's that's what it yeah it's, it's dream you know that's the dream girl it's like what you know what do we want like to 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 be with the dream girl it's like you know no i i don't think it's that i think it is much more a yeah something beyond that which is what kind yes, of vertigo verti- is, yeah vertigo is is, doing. is vertigo is a very trans trans film if you're a man and you like women or have an affinity for women in any way that is like cis heteropatriarchy tells us that oh yeah it's because it's because you want to fuck them or you want to you you want to make them yours we think that what we want is to be with women in the capacity that men are supposed to be with women but you know what we actually want is that to move beyond masculinity and to to be able to partake in femininity for ourselves in the past my relationships with women sometimes i'm talking about romantic relationships that that romantic sexual sensual um i think sometimes it's been like almost like out of a drive to be closer to in closer proximity to femininity to be in closer proximity to womanhood even if i wasn't living as a woman I want to, you know, I mean, like, sometimes I think about, like, past relationships, and I don't know if it's so much me wanting to be with her, or me wanting to be her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something, something that, uh, that I will say, the, um, turf and gender fascist, like, alarmism, uh, with regards to, you know, seeing trans women as, you know, men, uh, who, who want to be in women's spaces and whatnot, like, on a level, I'm like... I'm I'm over here like yeah that's fucking valid that's you know I wanted to feel because like yeah I wanted to feel more you know at home with uh with 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 the girls I wanted to feel more you know like because I was all because I was already I was already hanging out with them I was already in their spaces and, yeah and I know, think that for me sometimes it was almost like I was in their space but then with some reservations and even the girls low key I could tell that they wanted me not to have those reservations but it's also socially mm-hmm, yeah. imposed you know. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. I mean, but sometimes it's almost like you want to be with women, so you almost become a woman. All right, moving on to another part. This was kind of more like basically trying to almost become, you know, the other gender in one way or another, whether it's like drag with a hint of sincerity, meaning not just, you know, a punchline. Oh, hey, they're, they look, they're in drag. It's more like kind of like I'm in drag and. You know, it says something about the fact that I like drag. Tell me about that. Like, Some Like It Hot or, like, uh, Love Exposure. Yeah, Some Like It Hot is... I absolutely adore that movie. um, Because, uh, one, the the source of the humor is not... It's not so much, haha, look, men dressed as women. It's... The humor comes from the... Oh, these men... uh, Are living and existing as women and, like, seeing what, you know, seeing what existing as a woman yep. is like and because that is as far as humor goes that is a rather hilarious uh experience um and it is and i i feel like it is treated with sincerity in especially in the case of um jack lemon's character i can't remember their names of course but drag in general is well one ever since art has been a thing there has been dra- like as long as gender has been a thing drag has been a, a thing that people do and i think it they oh a quote by some dude uh in my it, that I did in my video was everyone is born naked and dies naked everything in between is drag uh drag is inherently gender weird and when it shows up in media it's there it is ripe for analysis um so yeah also um just ones that sh- criteria gender weird criteria that should go without 
go without you know saying uh films that are explicitly queer yeah obviously um films that explore toxic masculinity generally like through homosocial relationships or uh, fucked up family dynamics and whatnot but toxic masculinity is very much a because it's it's gender it's it's a subject inherently tied to gender so it is it is very much a you know inherently gender weird topic um right but yeah as for the uh last uh the last criteria um uh literal or symbolic representation of gender dysphoria like body horror um all body horror is gender weird like like i i i don't care what anyone says all body horror is gender weird because <laughs> <laughs> um like ultimately uh dysphoria is like i think dysphoria is a is a much misunderstood uh, nuanced complex phenomenon um and it basically gender dysphoria in particular yeah yeah. and given the way gender is constructed there is it is heavily heavily like connected to and it's a inextricably um related to just dysphoria in general because like things like uh, body dysmorphia um like everything cronenberg (laughs) <laughs> has ever made even even his stuff that's not explicitly trans like the way he explores uh body the body and our relationship to it and uh-huh. uh the way it changes and what it's like the work is fundamentally trans and fundamentally gender weird um i also think about things like um uh malignant was another good one from recent years uh i love that movie and it is incredibly trans like yeah, as a very trans movie, and I don't know why more people weren't talking about weren't talking about it in that terms, in those terms. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 get to malignant. But yeah, body horror is uh, and just rep- symbolic representations of of yeah. gender dysphoria as well. More like literal too. Like mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like um, some other examples I have listed: uh, Black Swan, um, Eyes Without a Face. Have you seen Eyes Without a Face? Yeah, it's it's great. It's good. It's great. Um, but yeah, so body horror and such stuff. Uh, also, so yeah, so those are those are kind of a a, a non comprehensive uh list of um criteria to kind yeah. of like understand gender weirdness as it pertains to film. Yeah, and of course, like I think film film is something that we can use to kind of understand gender because it's like they're almost like parables in a way kind of mm-hmm. like you know you can look at these to understand our reality you know yeah and art, kinda, art is communi- yeah. art is fundamentally communication and so uh and so much art is art that is gender weird is us trying to talk about and converse about gender um and through art we can say certain things that we may not with words yeah you know it's why I mean that's ultimately what I think like style and substance are like if not exactly the same thing they're they're interwoven into each other right yeah and we're like you, you whatever you do you're saying something mm-hmm. and you know yeah and I guess what we want to talk about in this podcast is what are these films and what are they saying mm-hmm. and, and when it comes to gender even if they don't even if the director or what or writer doesn't even know that they're saying this. Yeah, and exactly. that's what we want to get at. Yeah, when and when we say that uh, we want to ruin your ruin your favorite media by telling you how it's heads gay and trans, that's it's you know what we're saying is that we want to we want to show you how how a different way to relate to media you're familiar with in a way that will hopefully you know make make you think about gender in a in a different way make you maybe understand sexuality too yeah yeah. and gender and sexuality again goes hand yeah um so yeah this it it comes from a place of uh we, we may be strongly worded and strongly opinioned but it does come from a place of um wanting to enrich enrich folks you know i think if we think about these films that we're going to talk about and and relate it to gender and then hopefully by extension you know our listeners can kind of you know mm-hmm. process gender in 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 a uh, new and interesting ways or, or kind of expand their current thoughts i yeah. think i think, think that's the goal that i want to get at this 
you know? Mm -hmm. Because I think at the end of the day, I want, like, our voices to be heard and kind of just in general, queer voices to be heard Mm -hmm. because there are people that want to silence us. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to bend to their will and compromise. Absolutely. And that's why I'm critical of the way that things are talked about on social media, you know, YouTube, Letterboxd, all that. And that's why I want to kind of like use this podcast as a way to talk about films and in relationship to gender and sexuality in a way that I think or hope will like bring some kind of value to you, the listener. Um, Ultimately, we have so much more in common than we do difference. And that's something that we should study and explore and embrace. And like, I'm, I'm personally really uh, the most looking forward to just seeing how, how people r- respond to, are going to respond to this, um, these, these investigations and uh, analyses and whatnot. Like I'm. Yeah. Yeah. As we, as we mentioned, uh, the next episode will be on, problematic Mm -hmm. depictions of kind of like the trope of like the trans serial killer the cross-dressing killer in psycho and silence of the lambs and like its legacy on culture and then trying to understand it on its own terms so Mm -hmm. check those movies out or check them out again um in preparation for the next episode um all right everybody guys girls goobers um (laughs) Join us on Patreon and and keep listening. Yep, this is gender weird, and we're uh yeah, we're gonna get weird together. <laughs> bye bye.